Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're listening to The Sane Show, the show about nothing and everything. I'm your host, Cliff, and today I have a special guest with us. I have a speaker and author of the books dealing with this thing called life and dealing with this thing called college. He also has his own podcast, the Chris Sumlin Podcast. Everybody, welcome, Chris Sumlin. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing well, Cliff. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited about the work that you're doing, and I take it so personally and seriously that you all invited me to be a guest. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It means a lot. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I am, I'm excited. You know, one of the things I, you know, I, I mentioned when I met you was the, the energy. So I know this is going to be a lot of energy in this show, so I'm super excited to have the conversation with you today. Nice. <laughs> So really quick, before I introduce the topics, I want to take and do the shout outs to all the listeners and all the fans all over the world in all 60 plus countries. Thank you guys. I love you guys continuing to like, share, subscribe to Sane Show and spread the word and helping elevate the platform like you've been doing for almost two years now. And if you're listening and you don't already follow us, be sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at the same show again that's at sane s-a-n-e underscore show on instagram and twitter and then the same show on facebook again on facebook that's the same show so today we're going to be talking about a millennial perspective of entertainment since you and i are both millennials we're actually only a year apart so i figured it'd be great to have a conversation about that and then we're also going to talk about giving back Following that, we're going to have an interview with you, Chris, so that the listeners can learn more about you, your background, and all the exciting things that go along with that. So a millennial perspective of entertainment and us being close in age and us being in this business as millennials, I thought it would be a great conversation to have. And I've had a lot of, or I'm not going to say a lot, but I've had a few millennials on this show, but this was never really something I really thought to talk about. And I guess because I, I can relate to you on so many levels that I thought this would be a great conversation, especially because I like how you look at the business and I like how you approach it as well, which I, I see a lot of similarities in myself. You know, so one of the things that comes to mind for me is obviously, and not just in the entertainment business, but in many other industries, how as millennials, we're coming in and we're looking at the way business is being done and with millennial culture we're coming in we're looking at it and we feel like things can be done much better than they are being done and not to say that it's not working or that is broken but again things could be improved upon there's there's nothing wrong with that it's, it's a positive really quick what are some of your thoughts about that in terms of the entertainment business and from your experience and your perspective as a fellow millennial yeah i think one of the biggest and most important things that we always have to remember is that talent and hard work beats all and so when we look at uh, lil nas x correct one of the biggest mm -hmm. songs the biggest song of all time he invested in himself took a beat and then had success it got on TikTok, and then the whole world took notice and i think so often people are like waiting for an infrastructure they're waiting for a company they're waiting for an agent or someone of quote-unquote influence to give them the shot and it's important that we just understand that you just have to believe in yourself and get to work and i think that's what you and i were having the conversation before we hopped on here 
about everybody just kind of bossing up and not even taking record labels seriously anymore. Like it's a new day where if you're just talented and work hard, people will give you an opportunity no matter what. You can build your own community and build your own fan base one by one, step by step, just by taking an initiative. And I think the ones that are successful in this new kind of cultural zeitgeist that we're in right now, that's what they're doing. Would you do agree to that? Yeah, 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 certainly I would. And that's what, that's what makes all of this exciting. What I've seen and what's happening really is a lot of people are taking the power back. I'm thinking about Nako now, uh, one of the artists that my cousin produced for, uh, you know, t- take, taking, the, taking the power back. And even though, you know, because one of the things I've thought about too is how we don't sit in the positions of power. We're not the CEOs. We're not the partners, right? We're not even like the the largest investors when you think about the financial side of the business. But because we have more spending power, again, a lot of millennials are working adults. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of millennials and uh, talented ones in the industry that are artists of all sorts. We have influence. Right. And we're also it, the talent. That's important, too. We're the talent. Yeah. And we're the, like, we're the market. So people can say all day, like, oh, I have this many years in the industry. There's even a blind spot to those ones that are in power. I mean, we look at this whole conversation about diversity and inclusion. It's because we have to include and be and, and include diverse voices, right? So right. I think that that's kind of like a really big point that you kind of made there, too. Like, as much as we like feel like maybe we don't hold the power, I feel like that tide is turning, and we kind of do. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. We do. You can even look in like when you think about like the political climate and you look at all of the artists who are getting out there, even with like, you know, the recent NBA boycott. Right. Correct. You can even look at a lot of those people, millennials. (laughs) Right. Right. The the level of influence that or power that we already have, like just because we don't we're not the CEOs, we still have power. We still have influence. You can another example, Taylor Swift how she's been getting out and she's been more politically active and voicing her opinion on things. And, you know, not to get political, but again, the fact is that we have influence and with influence, we have power. And what I love seeing is how a lot of these millennials are taking and using that to their advantage and helping in the sense, reshape the business for the better. Mm -hmm. I agree. Because, and I think it's becoming the trend for there to be different perspective, different voices to include those young people that may not have, like uh, Solange says, a seat at the table. I think the, cl- uh, the climate is definitely changing and it's bending towards millennials and the new voice. It, it is indeed, it's, especially I'm thinking about even in the way business is being done. Like there, there was this fight against going digital and streaming, but we like convenience, right? And obviously it's like, okay, cool. If we can stream music, television shows, movies, why not? Right. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Yeah. So what the labels, when it comes to the music, the labels aren't going to be able to make as much money as they used to. How I look at it, honestly, we never made that kind of money anyway. <laughs> so it's not, mm-hmm. we're not losing out on anything. If anything, we're coming into it and it's like, oh, great. Well, hey, money's still being made. People are still getting rich. And right. If anything, there's other avenues of revenue. Go ahead. For sure. 
And um, just knowing like what I've studied, I just know that there's also more avenues now where before, if you look at the history of television, there was a time where there was only maybe three to five networks, right? CBS, NBC, Fox, NBC, and so forth. Nowadays, you have Hulu, you have Quibi, you have YouTube TV, you have Facebook Watch, you have Snapchat. There's so many different avenues for people to get on. And I think with more buyers, there's more opportunities for content creators, for young people, for writers, for actors to get in the business where there weren't those same opportunities in, say, 20 years ago. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And, you know, it's funny. This reminds me, I think, probably about five years ago, uh, five, six years ago. Uh, right around the time I was uh, finishing college, and I remember I was like reading, you know, reading a bunch of different articles on the entertainment business, and something came to mind for to me. Just thinking about, like, I always like to refer to it as this pie. There's this pie, and that pie represents the money that can be made, and I feel like, in a sense, a lot of people who the veterans in the business could find themselves to that current pool where it's like, well, there's other, there's other things to tap into. There's like you said, there's other avenues for revenue. And recently I watched a video uh, interview with Ari Emanuel, um, you know, CEO of Endeavor. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how through entertainment, we can tap into other things, other industries and being in really increasing opportunities and that he's this was something he said nine years ago mm -hmm. this was like he was thinking ahead he was thinking he was he was ahead of netflix he he saw what was coming and right. so it's that it's that way of thinking though that's going to reshape the business and it's that that way of thinking that's going to give people who are again got to be innovative right and that's what's going to keep those of us who are thinking ahead, who are innovative, who are creative on top. At the end that's of the day. true. Because that kind of forward thinking, you have to not only be innovative, but also ride the waves, ride the trends as well. And I think if you're trying to stick in like an antiquated way of moving through the, any type of industry, you're going to get left behind. So when we kind of see these trends of like, oh, Black Lives Matter, people are going to want to do shows that have like societal content and have societal commentary, excuse me. We got to be able to ride those waves and get on in there and not try to fight up against and just say, oh, this isn't the wave. This isn't how things are going to go. When Netflix first came out, they almost got bought out. Like people didn't even understand the value of Netflix because they were just a DVD rental service. It wasn't even about creating original content. Then they said, oh, let's start streaming licensed shows. And they said, oh, let's go ahead and start doing original shows. When House of Cards and Orange is the New Black first came out back in maybe 2013, 2014, it was a cultural shift. And now everybody, very rarely do you go on Netflix to watch a show that isn't licensed, you know, uh, that isn't original. We are very not even watching the licensed content as much as they used to. So I think it's important that we stay innovative and try to always have forward thinking. But when we also are aware that a title is shifting and a shift is taking place, we also have to get involved and be with the forward movement as well. All right, we're back. Now I want to talk to you about giving back. And again, doing what you've already done, having written your books, and then you also have a blog and you also have your podcast. I thought this would be the perfect topic to speak with you about, especially because being as young as you are and 
me again being very close to your age and I, this is something i always think about giving back and i think it's important to understand especially for people around our age to understand that when it comes to giving back it's not always about monetary making a donation here or giving this person this much money because ideally yes we want to be able to cut somebody a check for 100 grand right <laughs> or mm-hmm. be able to pay off somebody's debts and things of that nature but you know i was putting this together and i'm um, you do and what you've done and you know continue to do what stands out to me is the importance of giving back through knowledge right or, or and essentially giving back through whatever it is that you have mm-hmm. and just being giving in general really because that's what it's all about giving whatever it is that you can't that you have that you can be giving of and so you're obviously you're giving of your time you're giving of your knowledge and you know one of the things i talked to you about as well is like being able to ultimately position the next person to walk down that same path if they choose to do so or position them to do whatever it is that they want to do correct i agree i went to your point i think that the social currency and knowledge and intelligence outweighs money For me, I'm at a place where I'm trying to sell projects. I'm at a place where I'm trying to share on platforms. It would behoove me to kind of connect with people and want to share ideas more than it's for someone to give me money. Because money you can kind of get, it kind of comes and goes. But when you have knowledge, that's not going anywhere. We have a relationship and someone introduces you to someone of influence. That relationship and that opportunity that can grow. There's nothing like that. Where money, I can lose that. I can make a bad bet and lose some money. I can't lose my knowledge. So for me, just on a personal level, I know that that's the best thing that I can give to someone else is giving them my experience, giving them access to people that I know, giving them knowledge, giving them inspiration, because I feel like that can't be taken away from them where someone can easily lose or take away someone's money. Yeah, it's true. You know, one of the things you reminded me of, um, one, of my, one of my best friends, shout out to O we have these kinds of conversations quite often and, you know, I keep him updated on what's going on with Sane show. And, you know, he also follows the show and everything as well. And, you know, one of the things he always tells me is that the reason you get so much is because you're, you come from a place of giving Mm -hmm. and that I found to be true. I'm not going to say I'm perfect at it, (laughs) but I try to make sure. And I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, I, I do it just because I want to get something. But I, I'll tell you, those are some of the best of feeling when I've made an introduction. Of, uh, I've introduced uh, a friend to a mentor and it turned into a fruitful relationship. And Correct. And those are the most powerful ones when you come into a relationship looking to give something. And so many oftentimes we think that just because someone's not on the same level as a peer that we can't give to them. Where in essence, you can give to mentors because a lot of people... A lot of successful people, they're always looking to connect to who's the next one. Who's the person that can keep keep me in touch with the millennials? We talked about the millennials earlier. Who can I invest into? That makes me feel good to give back. A lot of the people who are successful, they got where they are because someone gave to them. So just by you being a mentee, you're giving them satisfaction just by saying that, hey, I have a mentor. Hey, there's a kid that I look out for. Hey, it makes them feel good. You can give your way into any relationship, giving your time, giving your money, giving your talent, giving your skills. I mean, think about all the opportunities people who work jobs where they don't get paid like those unpaid internships or those unpaid opportunities where someone's just trying to give anytime you go into a relationship looking at what you can give it always ends up being more impactful that's been my experience yeah and that's how you should 
go into it. One of the things I've learned early on, especially in this business, because, and I will say I've been fortunate to connect with a lot of people and I've been fortunate to have a lot of those people extend a helping hand, especially with the show, lending their voices and people coming on the show as they start out as guests. And I always like to say they leave as friends. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I noticed, especially again in this business, because people on the outside, they look at it, they look at entertainment and, and they, they see the glitz and the glamour, right? And mm -hmm. a lot of people in the business get approached in a certain manner in which it turns them off from wanting to connect with certain individuals because, like you said, they're, they're coming and they're looking for something. And understanding that person that wants these opportunities, one of the things I, I realized and learned is like understanding that these people are human as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do all these cool things, but they're people too. And not just because one of the things I, I find most fun is being able to connect with people on a personal level, right? Yes, I reach out to you regarding business, but I, I have hopes to get to know you as a person, as an individual, and hopefully we can hang out. As a know? human, yeah, human to yeah. human. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things I've learned, I learned too, is that a lot of these people are cool people. I, I love hearing stories. You know, that's one of the best things about being in this business, getting to share the stories, getting to listen to people talk about their come up <laughs> and how they, because there's so much that can be learned from people. So on, on the flip side, talk about giving back, because that, that's one of the things I love to do too, right? And I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what you've done through a lot of your work is being able to, you know, tell your story because that's the thing too, right? People can relate to that. Oh, yeah and being able to like hear you listen to you tell your story and you because there's a lot of people out there that are like okay i feel like i'm the only one but then when they come across that person who's willing to share their story with them and lend them a helping hand and then them being able to look at you and say ah oh, you just helped me because seeing where you what you've gone through or seeing where you come from that now gives me hope that i can achieve something good just like you did Right. And that's kind of always been my intention is to always share and connect. I think I don't identify as someone who's technically necessarily professional because a lot of performative professionalism that takes place in corporate spaces is disingenuous. And so for me, I'm just looking to connect with people because like, like you said, everyone just wants to connect and build community and empathy with another person. So by telling the stories, by just keeping it real, by just being genuine, I found in my experience that I connected people on such a much more deeper level than if I would just kind of working together, just kind of being on that surface level professional. All right, now for the interview. So Chris, I'm gonna go ahead and ask you a few questions so that the listeners can learn more about you, your background and all things that go along with that. So my first question to you is, despite attending an associate degree program, you said you still felt unprepared for college once you got there. Why was that program unable to prepare you? And what was the first thing that made you think, I'm not ready at Morehouse? Yes. So when I was in my associate's degree program, I was dual enrolled in my high school at the same time. So I started taking college classes when I was 16 and, and stopped when I was 19 under that program. And so under that, I had someone that was buying my uh, school supplies, someone that was buying my books. 
I had mentors and counselors I can go to if I was having an issue. People would be interested in meeting, making sure I met with my academic advisor, conversing with my professors on my behalf. There was a blanket of protection and a community of support that made sure I made it through that program. When I got to Morehouse, not only was I not living with my parents and under the umbrella of a high school, I was on my own, living on my own, had to go to sleep on my own, wake up on my own, advocate for myself on my own. And it was very hard to kind of like take the training wheels off and just ride in a college program. Um, I thank God for my experience at Ohio Dominican where I got my associate's degree because it did expose me to the academic rigor that takes place in higher learning. But everything outside the classroom is where I immensely struggled. And because I was first generation, I really didn't have a lot of people I feel like I could talk to and go to that would be of service to me. I also went to school in Georgia, even though I grew up in Ohio. So even then there was a geographical distance, which made things rather challenging. So when I got to Morehouse, there was so much I had to learn. And I learned so much that that's why I decided to write my second book to pay a homage to my experience of going down there as a very sheltered Christian young man from Ohio to graduating from Morehouse College, one of the best HBCUs in the world, and then getting accepted into graduate program just to kind of show that arc so that people know how drastic it was. Wow, that's good stuff. So you were able to intern and work at multiple big name entertainment companies, such mm -hmm. like Legendary Entertainment and one of my favorites, Creative Artists Agency. Mm -hmm. <laughs> how were you able to use your skills in transitioning from one environment to another? I still kind of struggle sometimes in a lot of those spaces, just to be completely honest. But again, when we talked about connecting with people where I may have not won everyone, but I won someone. And that's kind of like my thing is just try to be friendly and work hard because I think you may be able to challenge my professionalism. You'll be able to challenge my ability to handle a task. But one thing I couldn't that you couldn't knock me on was the fact that I was going to show up and that I was going to be present. And I think like, even though I wasn't even driving in Los Angeles at the time, I never was late to work. I never was missing days at work. I always knew how to show up and just kind of show up. And I think if I were to give any advice to anyone working in anywhere, everyone works to want to work in entertainment. Everybody wants to work at Legendary or the Creative Artist Agency or the Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon, any of those places where I had the opportunities to work. But when you get those opportunities, show up. Be present. Let your presence, your energy, your conversation have impacts on people. And you'll find that a lot more doors will open for you when you just fully stand in the presence of who you are and let that energy resonate with every single person you meet. And that would be my advice to anyone who's in entertainment or is aspiring to get in. Show up, be present, and do your best. Oh, you preach it to the choir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I felt that one. <laughs> so... You described visibility as survival. Mm -hmm. Would you say that was a mindset you developed in school or was it a product of needing to stand out in a field like entertainment and why? Yeah, well, when I went to Morehouse, the whole reason why I went to Morehouse College was because when I graduated from high school, I was the only African-American male that completed the program and got the associate's degree. And so I didn't like how that made me feel when we took the picture with the associates and I was the only black guy there. So that's why I went to Morehouse to be around other strong, intelligent, powerful black men. And so like kind of having that community, having myself reflected and mirrored back at me in the environment that I was in made me feel good. It gave me power. It, gave, it made me feel like I mattered. And I think so with this whole Black Lives Matter thing is because so many people feel like they don't matter, that their lives don't matter, that people just don't take them seriously. 
And so for me, I always try to make sure that as a young black male, that I'm in present and that I let other young black men know, hey, you can write a book. Hey, you can go to graduate school. Hey, you can go to Hollywood. You can do whatever it is that you dream of doing because by other people seeing my experience and seeing my story and seeing my journey, it inspires and compels them to want to get up and do something for their own. And that idea, that notion of doing what I've been able to do is survival. And um, that's why I have to be visible. So yeah, that's why I feel like visibility is so important and essential to survival because these ideas, these stories, this journey needs to be replicated and duplicated by other young men that I've met in my life. I certainly mm. agree with that one. For sure. Speaking of your story, you know, your story is one of seemingly traditional American success. You know, a person that works hard to overcome obstacles, becomes a first-generation college graduate, and a successful writer. Would you say yours is one of American rugged individualism or something more like a collective effort you had to actively engage in? I definitely would say that it's more as an individual. There is an innate drive and a hunger in me to be successful that I feel like has pushed me through every obstacle, every in situation that I've been in. It's only because my desire and intention to succeed that I've been able to do anything of value. And I'm just getting started. I mean, I look at myself like I haven't even really done much. Like I'm just kind of getting started at the commencement of my career. And um, I just, I want to succeed more than anyone else wants me to. That's kind of how I feel within. And I feel like that energy, that flow, that drive is what has allowed me to have the career trajectory and the social economic journey that I've had is because I really on an individual cellular level want to succeed. I respect that. I feel that fire and that passion. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if you could, what can we expect from your next book? Yeah. Um, so my next book is called Halfway Through My 20s. And it's basically just a heartfelt, candid story of my best lessons, best experiences from the time where I was 19 all the way until I turned 26. And so with each chapter, I just talk about what it was like drinking for the first time at 21, what it was like to quit my entertainment industry coveted job that I wanted so badly, what it was like to go down to Morehouse when I was 19 and make my first real best friend. And so it's my intention just to kind of share stories that I feel like people can relate to and be inspired by. I believe that there needs to be more content in the world that just lets people know, hey, you can do it. Hey, I believe in you. Hey, go for the goal. And so the theme and premise with all of my work is really this whole notion of have a goal, work hard, and believe in yourself no matter what. And so that's kind of my premise of the entire book. And it's just fun. It's just good, candid stories that I know that when people read them, they're going to feel good. They're going to feel great and they're going to be inspired. And that's what I'm hoping for when the book drops. Oh, they will be. Thank you. <laughs> they will be. They will be for sure. Really quick before I let you go, if you could let the listeners know where they can find your, your current work, your podcast and everything like that so that they can keep on top of you and everything that you have going on. Sure. I'm available on all social media platforms. They can follow me on Instagram at the Chris Sumlin. You can visit my website, www.thechrissumlin.com, or even add me on Facebook at Chris Sumlin. And I look forward to connecting with anybody. And that's what I'm here to do is connect with people and make lots of friends. So I really enjoy doing that. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> well, hey, Chris, 
it's always a pleasure speaking with you again. I love your energy. I appreciate you for taking time out of your schedule to come on the same show. Really exciting. Again, enjoyed the conversation. And I know that the listeners, I, I got a lot out of it. I, I hope and I'm pretty confident listeners got a lot out of it as well. So, you know, thank you again for taking and coming on the same show. Thank you so much for having me. It was really a pleasure. I really mean it. Great. I'm glad. And listeners, you know, again, be sure to check them out and be sure to go look up his books and order, read a copy and spread the word. He's got some really great stuff going on. He's a really great guy, full of wisdom, as you can tell, a lot of great advice that you can gain and from him as well through his work. And again, make sure to follow the same show on all of our social platforms and continuing to like, share and subscribe to the show. You're listening to The Sane Show, the show about nothing and everything. And until next time, we're out.